0: On this episode of EdScoop's Cutting Edge Podcast from Scoop News Group, top priorities for Michigan State University's CIO. This is EdScoop's Cutting Edge Podcast. Every other Tuesday, we dive deep with decision makers on what's next in higher education, IT, and online learning. I'm your host, Jake Williams. Here's what's happening across the community. EdTech services provider Zovio offloaded Fullstack Academy, its coding bootcamp, to online course platform SimpleLearn. The move completes the liquidation of all of Zovio's assets. Fullstack Academy will keep its name, executives, and staff under its new ownership, according to a release from SimpleLearn. George Mason University is working with Amazon Web Services to develop a streamlined platform for people looking to transfer colleges. The development of this platform will make it easier for community college students to transfer to George Mason, according to the university. The partnership between the university and the company is the latest in collaboration between the two. The university will also create new educational programs in data center engineering with AWS. You can find all these stories and more on edscoop.com and in today's show notes. Melissa Wu is Michigan State University's chief information officer as well as the institution's executive vice president for administration. Wu is a winner of the inaugural edition of the EdSco 50 Awards. I asked Melissa about her top priorities and focuses in her role right
1: now. Right now, an IT is finalizing the IT strategic plan. And it, it comes at a good time because the university strategic plan was released a few months ago. And so we want to make sure that we align with the business and that we align with the university strategic plan. And really at a high level, I mean, our our major strategic objective is to make sure that we pivot to experience-centered and mission-driven services. That is making sure that we take care of the student, faculty, um, and staff experience and how people feel before, during, and after they experience our services and our products or or when they interact with us. And of course, being mission-driven is important at a university we have to make sure that we look after student success faculty success and staff success
0: and so from a from a technology standpoint you know when you when you look at the experience components in an IT strategic plan like what what comes to mind what are some of those key technology efforts or or even just you know broader technology related initiatives that you're working on as part of that
1: well one of the things that we need to do is make sure that we build more competency around research cyber infrastructure and how that ties into experience is that We want to make sure that we have as frictionless an experience as possible for our faculty researchers because they have their research to do they can't be worrying about the bumps in the road around the the technology use and so it's so important to be working on that similarly getting back to the point of being mission driven is that we want to have a you know a frictionless experience for our, our faculty and students in the educational area as well and so we're really developing a strong partnership with academic affairs and and the deans and our faculty to make sure that they have the tools that they need. And finally, although we have a number of things on the strategic plan, something else that's incredibly important is identity and access management. And my stump speech, or I would say my elevator speech on what IAM actually is, is getting the right people at the right time access to the right things in the right way. And that's so fundamental to everything we do at the university, whether it be onboarding a brand new faculty member who needs access to, being able to create their courses, or even be able to get, let's say, an, an ID card. I mean, things that are fundamental like that, and especially important for students, because can you imagine being a brand new student, let's say you're you're a fresh person, you know, a first year student, and you're wandering around this giant university, whether it be you know, virtual or physically. And we want that experience to be as frictionless as possible. I mean, it'll, there will always be bumps. Don't get me wrong because we are so huge, but let's just try to make sure we smooth out as many of those bumps as possible. So people have a great experience coming here.
0: So let's dive into those a little bit. And and so let's talk about the the cyber research piece a, a bit. I mean, this is something that I think um, is is certainly semi unique to a higher ed CIO. And so there's some different priorities and, and, and projects that you have going on there. So talk about that a little bit and, and tell us a little bit more about uh, what those efforts are like.
1: Well, we recently just closed out the NSF funded project to create the what's known as the Michigan State University Research Network which in some parts of campus and for certain researchers actually increases their network bandwidth by up to 20 times what they had before. So if you can imagine, if you have a lot of data, you, you either have to transfer out or bring in in order to analyze, that really cuts down on the amount of time to do so. And therefore you can iterate through your different research activities much faster and hopefully get to your results faster. So that's really exciting right now. I mean, it, it is limited to certain Buildings and areas on campus, but it is expandable. So we're we're really, really excited about that. It actually also connects us back to a with a larger pipe to Internet too, which is very important for researchers as they collaborate with other researchers in the United States and around the world. So we're excited about that. We're also partnering with our the, the vice president for research and innovations area because they run the major high performance compute cluster. And we want to make sure that we're not just rolling out technology because just rolling out technology is not very useful if people don't know how to use it in order to reach their goals. So what we're really working on is this research facilitation layer where researchers on campus can simply submit a form online asking for a consultation. And someone will respond and work with that researcher, you know, in many ways, sometimes as a concierge, to make sure they're connected to the resources we already have that they may not know about. And in some cases, gathering information about anything that we don't already have in order to aggregate it and then start advocating for the resources to stand up services that they need.
0: That's super interesting. Uh I I I love that you talk about frictionless, but it's also sounds like responsiveness is a big part of that too. And it's it's being able to to scale up and meet the needs of of folks as as they come up.
1: Definitely, definitely. I mean, and research is, I mean it's there's so many different types of lines of research and so so many disparate needs. It's In many ways, it's a very challenging area to support, but that's actually what makes it fun, mm-hmm. if that makes any sense. Because in many cases, I think IT professionals have to start creating new services or new lines of services in order to meet some of the needs of our researchers.
0: Yeah, and those those needs are certainly ever changing, and you know, uh, other needs that are ever changing would be you. You talked about supporting faculty and and sort of the ed, educational technology piece uh, in there. I mean, what th- there's so much happening in ed tech, and there's so much happening um, in the classroom when it comes to technology, especially post pandemic. So, what are or not post pandemic, but you, you know, at this <laughs> yeah, stage at, in the pandemic is the there I you think go. the phrasing. Uh, Uh, tell me a little bit about that and and some of the efforts that you have underway there. I'm sure that, uh, it's, it's a sort of an ever developing challenge uh, and opportunity for you.
1: It definitely is. And, you know, as we are in this part of the pandemic, one of the things that we realize is how much there needs to be a flexibility. And it's not just flexibility for our students who in many cases are no longer what we consider to be the traditional 18 to 22 year old, you know, um, cohort, we're looking at students who may be taking care of children, taking care of aged parents who really need more flexibility in their time. And similarly, for our faculty who are teaching, we also need to provide them flexibility. But at the same time, we are very much an on-premise university. Students come here for the, the actual experience of meeting their friends in person, going out, you know, having fun on campus. So some of the things we've been doing is we've been working on what are known as high flex classrooms. That is that a faculty member could actually give a class in person at the same time that they're, you know, live streaming online with interactivity with students who are online and record as well so that it can be watched later and be used in a totally different way. So it's asynchronous. So it's really kind of fascinating is that it can support two synchronous modalities in person and online as well as an asynchronous modality. Now, you know, we're just in pilot phase at this point and just building those. So that's exciting. And there's clearly more need and more desire for there to be some level of fully online instruction just in order to provide that flexibility. And so we're also working with our academic colleagues to try to put in place, you know, a good structure and some some good standards around what good pedagogy looks like in a fully online environment.
0: Yeah, it's like the the experience of of teaching and learning, you know, uh it's been something that the educause has been focusing on for years, obviously, but but it's something that's being more and more integrated into the CIO experience as well because of all of the technology that has to touch it.
1: Very much agreed. And you know, and you know, I'll say at this point, you know, the CIO is really not no longer, it's no longer a technology leader position. It's a business leadership position. And that's something that has been an interesting shift because I think we realize it within IT that that shift from being the, the techie person to the being the business leader has happened in our own heads at the very least. I think it's been a little more challenging for the business to understand just how useful it is to have the IT leader at the business table and be treated as a part of the business and a good strategic partner, and that's you know something we all talk about at this point. And as you're, you're pointing out, technology is behind everything. It's very hard to ignore the technology leader now as part of the business.
0: I, I want to talk about IAM in a second, but I do. You, you talk about the sort of that changing role of the CIO, and then you you are not just the CIO at, at Michigan State. So uh, you have a larger enterprise that that you oversee um, that. I, I'm sure is is hard, right <laughs> any 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 additional leadership and management adds complexity and makes things difficult. but um has it made it easier for you to get things done with i t and to align resources and to align staff and people to you know toward a common goal to make something happen?
1: you know, it's a great question. What I've found is that some of the traditional what I would call friction points, getting back to that theme of of friction and being frictionless between certain areas such as between IT and facilities or IT and HR. I mean, those are interestingly have always been common points of of friction anywhere, not just here, by the way. I think it's made it somewhat easier to point out that all of these are enterprise support services and actually they're all have the same issues in common. And so I think bringing that commonality to, to the forefront has helped with the dialogue and the, the ability to partner between those areas so that, yes, it has made things a bit easier between all the areas.
0: Tell me a little bit about some of the things you have going on uh, in identity access management and, and sort of what is, how does that all factor into that strategic plan and the strategy going forward?
1: And you bring up a good point. So identity and access management is one of the few, very few areas where I will actually admit that higher ed is different from other industries. And most of the time, we're pretty much the same across industries. Getting to your point, how often can a person hold multiple conflicting roles in any other industry? So we could have a student who is also an employee who in one role cannot have access to the data that they have access to in the other role. How often do do industries allow people to keep their email addresses after they have separated from the organization? We do on a routine basis for um, Ameritai. So it's, it's a fascinating identity and access management problem. And part of how it works into just improving the student faculty and staff experience is that you know, it's so many institutions. It's it's really really difficult to come in and get your first ID card, to get your parking, to be able to get access to either your classes or to you know, the business products that you need to use in order to do your job. So, I mean, that's just why this ties into our IT strategic plan is that we really don't want to keep putting these barriers in people in, in people's way that, that keeps them from doing you know their, the learning they need to do or the teaching they need to do or the operations they need to do. And um, there's so much more we could be doing. I mean, so for example, at most universities at which I've worked, it's been really, really hard for a person to transfer from one job to another in another unit because there's just not a good way to deprovision them from, this, from the access they have at their old unit and then reprovision them in the new unit. So you often end up with people in their new unit having access that they shouldn't have because they had it in their old unit. So there, I mean, this is a really complex problem, but it's so important for people to be able to achieve their goals. Just get these barriers out of the way. I mean, they're awful and it's so unnecessary.
0: Is is the and and I'm sure that I, I know how the vendor side would think about this, but like, is the answer just working with some of these big identity vendors that are out there? Or or does the university environment, because of all those complexities that you're talking about, does that require a a more you know intentional and individual focus on something like identity
1: i think it can be a mixture of both and i think different universities have chosen different answers the challenge we have with a lot of the large vendors is that they're not they're not writing towards this particular industry in other words they're not creating products for this industry which can make it very much like trying to get a square peg into a round hole to use a really banal, <laughs> you know, a banal saying there. The problem is of course, we all know where the hazards are in custom developing the, the ability to sustain that over time and support it is also very problematic. So in many ways, and this is just a personal opinion because I know that there's a lot of universities that do prefer to do custom development in house. I think, If we can find vendors who are willing to listen and iterate with us and actually see that we, although we're a niche, that there is profitability in serving this niche, because I mean, ultimately it does come down to whether or not they can make profit, of course. And I understand that. If we can find those vendors to work with, I think that would be the perfect balance between the, the need to have something very custom versus sustainability over time.
0: So let's we we've covered we've covered so much ground. Let's let's pull it back to that strategic plan, right? Um, when you're looking at all these things together, whether we're talking about projects around identity uh, or or cyber research, or, or just making sure that students and teachers, uh, or students and faculty, are, are equipped with all that they need to be successful in and out of the classroom, um, what does it all mean pulling together for that strategy going forward? How do you look to enable? some really amazing things and, and some really challenging things for, for your users.
1: Well, something that we have to do internally within all the, all the support units, including it is really be intentional about stewardship of our resources. That is it, it, the more resources that we pull from the university, the less there are for really important roles, such as advisors, which are really needed by the students. And I mean, they're, you know, people who work in student affairs. And so, You know, we want to be good stewards of the resources we already have. And so we need to be very intentional about identifying things such as duplication of effort or unnecessary processes, and also deprioritize certain services, which is difficult. I mean, we all know that turning off a service that people are using causes people to show up at your doorstep with torches and pitchforks. But the point is that we have to make sure that we can deprioritize prioritize some services so we can put more resources into things that truly, truly support student faculty and staff success.
0: Melissa Wu, Chief Information Officer and Executive Vice President for Administration at Michigan State University. You can read more about her and all of the other EdScoop 50 award winners at edscoop.com and in links in today's show notes. The Cutting Edge Podcast is available at cuttingedgepodcast.com and everywhere you get your podcasts. The show is a product of Scoop News Group in Washington, D.C. James Mahoney and Carlin Fisher help make it happen, and the entire team contributes. Until next time, I'm Jake Williams. Thanks for listening.